0: Welcome back to another episode of On the Mix. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today I thought I would talk to you guys about the death of Dimebag Daryl. Now, if you guys don't know who Dimebag Bag Daryl is, he was the guitarist for the band Pantera in the 90s, and then they split, and then he created a new band called Damage Plan. I like Pantera, I like some of their music. I'm not like a huge, like massive fan, but I like some of their music. And just the other day I was thinking about the death of Dimebag Daryl because it actually is kind of a tragic story how his death kind of happened in front of a live audience. And um, it's a crazy story. Even if you don't know who Pantera are or if you haven't listened to Pantera or you don't know who Dimebag Daryl is, he's quite an interesting character and his story is quite fascinating. So without further ado, let me jump right into the story of who Dimebag Daryl is. So Dimebag Daryl is obviously not his birth name. <laughs> he was born Daryl Lance Abbott. And again, he was best known for being the guitarist of the band Pantera and Damage Plan, both of which he co-founded alongside his brother, Vinnie Paul. He's often regarded as one of the best heavy metal guitarists of all time. So Daryl was born in Ennis, Texas on August 20th, 1966. And he is the second son to his mother, Carolyn, and his father, Jerry Abbott. And Jerry Abbott is actually, or was, I should say, a country music producer. So the thing about this upbringing for Daryl already is that his father was already in the music industry, and so Daryl learned a lot of country music and was around country music at the time, and so that shaped his influence early on, but then also he really grew to love metal, classic metal, you know, rock and roll everything like that, Um, you know, from Black Sabbath to Judas Priest to Kiss. Kiss was one of his favorites, and Van Halen was also another one of his favorites. Um, So those were kind of the inspirations for him. Daryl's parents divorced in 1979 after 17 years of marriage, but his family life remained happy. He took up the guitar when he was 12, and his first guitar was a Les Paul Steyer honer, which he received along with an amplifier on his 12th birthday. So he would have fun playing the guitar and figuring out how exactly like Eddie Van Halen or Ace Frehley would like play a certain like lick or a guitar riff or something like that. He was just always so incredibly fascinated with learning how to play the guitar and also making it his own style. And although he was unable to play the guitar at the time, he would just enjoy kind of mimicking playing the guitar to himself in front of his mirror, almost kind of materializing the future for himself, like right then and there, saying like, you know, I want to be just like my hero Ace Fraley and, you know, Eddie Van Halen and do it exactly like them. Daryl also learned how to play the guitar from country musicians who recorded at his father's studio. So that's another thing, too. He learned a lot of different influences and styles from blues to country to metal to the classic rock stuff from different various people in his life and different points in his life and it kind of all comes together in a really interesting way to kind of make sense of like how his style is so eclectic and so revolutionary at age 14 daryl entered a guitar contest at the agora ballroom in dallas texas in which the founder of dean's guitars was one of the judges and so this was kind of big news for him and you know he was young he was 14 years old His mother accompanied him to the club to do this guitar contest because he was not old enough to enter on his own. And, of course, he ended up winning this competition. And the founder of Dean's Guitars would later recall that Daryl blew everyone away with his impressive guitar skills. Now, what I thought was really interesting, Pantera formed and they released their debut album, Metal Magic, in 1983 when Daryl was only 16 years old. I think that's extremely impressive because I had no idea he was that young when he started and when he was with Pantera. Like, for me, I know Pantera from their Cowboys From Hell album, which is in 1990, which is obviously a couple of years later. So it just never occurred to me, first of all, that they started that early in the 80s and he was only 16 when Pantera started. You have to give it up to him. He was, um, technically, he was still like a high schooler. So that's really interesting. Daryl was originally a glam metal musician, and he initially went by the stage name Diamond Daryl at the time, but then he would later transform his name to Dimebag Daryl to suit the more harder, sludgy, grungier, dirtier type of rock music that they would start producing. Two more albums in that glam metal style that they did followed in 1984 or 1985, before the original Pantera vocalist Terry Glaze was eventually replaced by Phil Anselmo in 1986. And then their album Power Metal in 1988 was then released. So they had a couple of albums in the early 80s that did pretty decent for themselves, but they didn't make them massive stars by any stretch of the imagination. It was when they eventually got on to a major label and they released their album Cowboys from Hell in 1990 where it completely transformed the game for them and this kind of shifted their popularity overnight. Now people were starting to listen to Pantera in a more global and nationwide sense. People now were understanding who they were and they were becoming household names. So with this shift coming into the 90s with this album Cowboys from Hell, they kind of change the sound to have like a slightly more groove metal kind of sound to it, where it's it's maybe hard to describe, but I'm thinking of the song that is based on the album title Cowboys From Hell, and it's very funky, um, which I guess in some aspects, in some areas, it can be a little different from um, heavy metal music. Some at the time, I'm thinking of like Slayer, where there isn't a whole lot of rhythm. It's just kind of like various chords being thrown at you all at once and it's kind of an amalgamation of a lot of different sounds but this groove metal sound that they shifted into was one where Daryl's guitar playing really shined so people were starting to take notice more of Daryl's impressive skills from this point forward for sure the sound that was coming up here was then refined for their next album Vulgar Display of Power in 1992 And then their follow-up album, Far Beyond Driven, debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 in 1994. So the 90s, I think, was probably maybe their best time period. The 80s was more so where they were underrated. Not to say that they didn't have fans, but they were going off of indie labels that they were on at the time. And not a lot of people, I think, appreciated them for what they were doing. It wasn't until Cowboys from Hell in the 90s when they started to become much more popular. But tensions within Pantera reduced the output of more music, right? They would eventually go on to release albums, The Great Southern Trendkill in 1996, reinventing the steel in 2000 and that was the band's final studio album before deciding that they would split in 2003 so that's kind of where Pantera then stops now some people want to say and claim that the reason why Pantera split was tensions between Dimebag Daryl and the rest of the group and this is kind of where the overarching theme for Daryl's death for a possible motive or a reason comes into play, so I just wanted to put that out there. But Dimebag Daryl would eventually form the band Damage Plan with his brother Vinny, and they ended up only releasing one album called New Found Power in 2004. So that's just a little bit of a background story for who Dimebag Daryl is, what Pantera is all about for the most part. Uh, now we're going to get into the death of Dimebag Daryl, and it's a really really sad story obviously trigger warnings for mentions of gun violence and for murder and death so if you're sensitive to that then hop on over to something else so december 8th damage plan was playing at the Alrosa rosa villa nightclub in columbus ohio and there was about 250 people in the audience this night it was pretty decent it was maybe around half capacity so wasn't a bad turnout at all. So Damage Plan was the main band that was playing and then there were a couple of local bands that were kind of just starting that were playing before Damage Plan would come on. So in the crowd was one guy named Nathan Gale and he was a young fan. He was obsessed with heavy metal and he was obsessed with Pantera. So the basic story that I'm going to start with thus far is Nathan Gale who was 25 at the time. He went on stage with a gun and he shot and killed Dimebag Daryl and three other people during this show. Nathan, thankfully, was killed not long after this by a police officer minutes after violence erupted on stage. So unfortunately, he had to take the life of three people before he ended up being killed himself by that police officer, which thankfully that police officer, it's amazing. The police officer only took one shot. He killed him in one shot, which I think is quite fascinating. Um, So Nathan Gale, he's no more, thankfully, because we don't need people like him trying to come up and kill our musical heroes. I've had enough of that with John Lennon, you know, so I just I have a lot of disdain for, you know, fans, quote unquote, fans like that that want to kill their heroes. It's, It's it's disgusting. And then in front of all those people in the audience, in front of. Dimebag Daryl's brother who was next to him on stage performing, having no idea what the hell was going on. It was pandemonium. So it was reported that Nathan was upset that Pantera had broken up and he may have blamed Daryl for Pantera's split. And it's funny that I mentioned John Lennon. I don't know if this was necessarily planned out or if this was coincidence, but the death of daryl and the three other members um, of the entourage that night it landed on the 24th anniversary of the death of john lennon and so i don't know you have to wonder was that planned was that a coincidence i don't know i just thought it was interesting so the other victims that were slain tonight that night were 23 year old nathan bray who was a fan in the crowd Damage plan crew member Jeff Mayhem Thompson, who was 40, and then club employee Aaron Hulk, who was 29. So those were the three other victims that were killed that night. Apparently, Nathan Gale had been hanging out in the club's parking lot while music was playing and these other local bands were on stage performing first. And while he was outside, just kind of lingering around, there was another fan that approached him. And this fan said, hey, man, why aren't you watching the show? And Nathan would reply, I don't want to see no shitty local bands. And then the fan responded, you can at least go inside and stay warm. And Nathan responded, no, man, I'm going to wait for damage plan. So he had a distinct purpose for going to this show. He didn't want to see anyone else. He had his sights Purely set on Dimebag Daryl. So obviously it was premeditated, of course. Um, Unfortunately, in in some aspects, I'm glad that Nathan Gale was killed that night, but also it would have been nice for him to see justice by rotting behind a jail cell, you know? But at the same time, I suppose it is karma that he ended up dying that night too. So the club manager, Rick Catella, pegged Nathan Gale as a harmless hanger-on who didn't have a ticket. He kind of thought that he was just a crazy fan trying to talk to members of the band. And he would say, one of my guys who helps to set up the bands eventually told him to leave. Now, this is interesting because Nathan Gale comes across as somebody who is a bit of a strange person. As Damage Plan took the stage, Nathan jumped the six-foot-high fence and rushed into the club through a side door. He apparently walked swiftly past pool tables, a bar, and the sound booth and he reached the left side of the stage. Now, I'm not sure why he wasn't stopped at this point, because he just barged right in there. I don't know why security didn't step in to handle him or anyone else. I don't know. It's kind of interesting and weird how it all happened. But witnesses who were in the crowd, who saw Nathan walk on stage, assumed, oh, he wants to stage dive, right? Because that makes sense, you know? It's interesting because damage plan was only about... 90 seconds into their first song of the set. And this was literally right before Nathan drew his 9mm handgun and headed straight for Dimebag Daryl. During this moment, Joe Dameron, who was the bass player for one of the local bands called Volume Dealer, who was hanging out with Damage Plan, saw this happening and he thought Nathan shouted something about Pantera, but he wasn't sure. He said maybe he saw him open his mouth to yell something, but he didn't know what it was. He just looked determined. So Nathan apparently shouts something, possibly about Pantera, and then he points the gun at Di McDarrell and he shoots. Now, I'm not going to go into the nitty gritty details because I think that's pretty disrespectful, but all you need to know was shots were fired, obviously. The sad thing about this was Daryl didn't see this coming because Dimebag was just headbanging along to the music, doing his thing, having a great old time up there. He didn't see this. He was blindsided, basically, to Nathan Gale coming up on stage and shooting him. So it all happened really, really quick. The music stopped. You know, his brother Vinny stood up from behind his drum kit and he wasn't sure what was happening either. He just saw Dimebag on the floor. And apparently Daryl's guitar started to emit feedback and a high-pitched screech because obviously he just dropped the guitar and it just made a noise and it was so piercing to everybody. Now, there were a lot of fans who were in the crowd that they were confused. They didn't know what was happening. They didn't know what was going on. But then there were also some people in the audience, um, one of which her name was Mindy Reese, and she was a registered nurse from Columbus, Ohio. She actually rushed the stage and she did chest compressions for 15 to 20 minutes while paramedics were on the way. Um, so at this point, while she's doing these chest compressions, Dimebag is near death, obviously, but he's still alive, uh, but barely hanging on. So at this point, you know, Nathan shoots Daryl. Daryl collapses to the floor. A security guard then comes on stage and he tackles Nathan to the ground, who continued to shoot into the crowd. Bullets were kind of um, scattering and going about everywhere. People were trying to kind of like clamor on top of Nathan and pin him down and get his gun away so he couldn't do any damage to any more people. From backstage, an officer appeared carrying a 12 gauge Remington shotgun and he walked past a stack of amplifiers and he walked out onto the stage and he saw Nathan there who had actually somehow, I don't know how this happened, but somehow he had taken a man hostage and held a gun to this man's head. So this was now a hostage situation. This was a murder turn hostage situation. And the officer only took one shot and ended up killing Nathan on the spot, which impeccable, incredible, you know. It's unfortunate it had to happen this way, but I would say that was the best case scenario in terms of disarming an armed dangerous person. Now like I mentioned before, Nathan, according to people around town, he was troubled and not prone to violence, though. He was just a troubled, weird person. Now, he enlisted in the Marines back in 2002, but he left 18 months later for unknown reasons. By that point, Nathan had changed. And people, his friends had noticed that Nathan had begun like disassociating. He'd be acting weird, like talking to himself and laughing to himself. Apparently, he told a friend that Pantera had stolen his songs and that he was going to sue them. Very deranged, very not living in reality at all. That's pretty obvious to say. But, you know, he was a hanger-on at a lot of spots. He was infatuated with guitarists, and he would try to, like, form bands with people and play with other musicians in the Ohio area, but, like, people were really weary about him, and they just weren't wanting to give him the time of day. But, you know, suffice to say, that's essentially the story there of the death of Dimebag Darrell and how that all transpired. I didn't want to give a whole lot of airtime to the murderer, right? Because that would be like giving, you know, John Lennon's killer a floor and a podium, right? Um, it just goes to show, like, the deranged nature of this person and how it went from zero to a hundred so quick and how dimebag daryl's death happened um he was pronounced dead at the scene dimebag was and he was only 38 years old and apparently as police officers and other detectives rushed to the alrosa villa vinnie abbott again the brother of dimebag daryl who witnessed this happen to his own brother escaped thankfully into the back of their tour bus and apparently he climbed into his brother's bunk bed on the bus and he sobbed, he wept. So can you imagine seeing that? And then how can you move forward and deal with that and be okay later on in life? That's that's really hard to deal with, you know? It goes without saying. So it's horrible and very sad and traumatic all around, not only for his brother, for his other bandmates too, and also for the fans in the crowd that had to witness this go down in real time it's horrific. And he was taken out far too young. He was only 38 years old. He technically was only like just starting in a way to live his life. And then it was taken away from him. Similarly to like John Lennon, which is why I'm saying like, was it a coincidence that the guy did that on John Lennon's anniversary death day or what? I don't don't know. It's interesting though to think about. But anyway, thousands of fans attended Daryl's public memorial and the guest list included artists such as Eddie Van Halen, Zack Wilde, Corey Taylor, Jerry Cantrell, and many others. Daryl was buried alongside his mother at the Moore Memorial Garden Cemetery in Arlington, Texas. What is so interesting about this? Well, there's two things, but the first thing, Gene Simmons, who obviously is of the band KISS, the thing about KISS that I have to mention before I say this fact, KISS is very known for a lot of their eccentric, weird merchandise. You name it, there's a KISS something for every kind of weird thing. I'm sure there's KISS pencil cases and KISS water bottles and KISS this, that and the third. Well, it is true. KISS has a line of caskets called KISS caskets, where if you're a massive KISS fan, you can be buried in a casket that's decorated with the KISS members on it. Weird to some people. But to those diehard Kiss fans, you know, they choose to be buried in that casket. And so, Dimebag Darrell was buried in a Kiss casket, and it was donated by Gene Simmons himself for this burial, which I thought was interesting because Dimebag Darrell was a massive fan of Kiss. So it makes sense in this context that he'd be buried in a Kiss casket. Eddie Van Halen who was there, like I said, he was good friends with Dimebag Darrell for years. He actually donated. Dimebag Daryl's original black and yellow striped 1979 Bumblebee guitar, which was featured on the back cover of Van Halen 2. And the thing about this story is a few weeks prior to Daryl's death, he had met with Eddie Van Halen and he had asked, hey, could you mind making me a replica of your signature 79 Bumblebee guitar for me, please? Because he loved that guitar. and. He got it made for him. He was going to get it made for him. And then, of course, Daryl, you know, was murdered. Eddie Van Halen did one thing better. He actually put his original guitar alongside Dimebag in the casket, which I thought, that speaks volumes, you know? I mean, that to me is really moving of a gesture to do. He literally put his original one-of-a-kind guitar in with the casket. It's in the ground. I think that's so interesting. Eddie said at the funeral, Dime was an original and only an original deserves the original. I think that's incredibly profound. I think, honestly, that's one of my favorite parts of this story because it brings back sentimentality, but it's also very sweet. Bittersweet, sure, but, you know, there is an air of sweetness to it because, you know, Van Halen was one of Daryl's fond inspirations. He ends up becoming friends with him. And then he asks for a replica to be made of Van Halen's guitar, but he does one better and puts the original in the casket with Dimebag. And I think that's really profound. Uh so that's essentially the story of Dimebag Daryl and the death of Daryl. Now, you know, it's a it's a sad story. And there isn't really any other way to spin it to make it more positive because he was killed in such a violent, tragic way. And he didn't deserve that. You know, I would say to end it on a positive note if you've never listened to Pantera before, you've never wanted to listen to Pantera before, but this story spoke to you, I would say go and listen to some of their albums and give them a chance. Definitely listen to Cowboys from Hell 100% because I think that's probably people's most well-thought-of album when it comes to Pantera. One of their most famous songs is called Walk, and I'm sure all of you have heard that song Walk before, even if you don't listen to metal music like that. Um, But give them a chance to listen to them. Cemetery Gates is another great tune. If you haven't heard of that, give it a listen. Um, And just kind of be entertained by how Dimebag can so easily captivate an audience with his amazing and and impressive guitar skills. Like I said at the beginning, he's regarded as one of the greatest heavy metal guitarists of all time. So he did something right. He did a lot of things right. Regardless of how Pantera disbanded and whether he was to blame or not, it doesn't matter, you know, because an innocent life was taken and he didn't deserve that death. And so we can turn it around on a positive note to listen to his music, to listen to Pantera's music, Damage Plan's music, and give our thanks to him, which, by the way, Thanksgiving is coming up in a few days. So when this episode drops, it's going to be the day before Thanksgiving. So I just wanted to also say before I go, happy Thanksgiving to all my American listeners out there. Um, I hope you all have a great day. So yeah, I just wanted to say that, you know, obviously, you know, give your thanks during this holiday season, but also, you know, think about your loved ones because there's going to be a family. The Abbott family isn't going to have their son, Daryl, for the holidays. Now, his brother, Vinnie Paul, also passed away in 2018, so he's, he's lost too. So, and interestingly enough, Vinnie Paul was also buried in a kiss casket, which I thought was incredibly interesting as well. So, yeah, just listen to their music and uh, enjoy it what it is so I hope you guys have a great day and I hope that you guys learned something today that you hadn't known about before again hope that my American listeners have a great Thanksgiving and I will see you guys next Wednesday with another episode of On The Mix I'll talk to you guys later bye guys